welcome to this week's edition of our summer series, Stephen and Company, here on the Stephen Perkins Program. Thanks so much for joining me on the Outset Podcast Network. Before I introduce who is on the show this week, I'd like to give a shout out to the sponsor who made this week's episode possible, and that is Octopod. Octopod's line of portable charging solutions will make sure your phone or tablet never dies again. Go to octo-pod.com outset and use the promo code O-U-T-S-E-T outset at checkout for 50% off. On this week's show, I am talking with someone who I have been very excited to talk to on the show. He is a loyal citizen of Arizona, a pre-law student at Grand Canyon University, a part-time swine and poultry farmer, and all-around good guy. So kick your shoes off, unless you're driving, that would be unsafe, and enjoy my interview with Austin Smith. As I said in my intro, I am here with Austin Smith this week out in Arizona. Very excited to have you on the show, Austin. How are you? I'm doing well, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Well, just tell people who may not know about you, tell people who you are, what you do, and what your future plans are. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, I'm a junior at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, where I study pre-law. Um, I'm Hopefully in a year and a half, I will obtain my bachelor's in justice studies, through which is a, the pre-law program. Uh, I'm a part-time swine and poultry farmer. I've been doing that since I was a young kid. Uh, I'm a fourth-generation Arizona native. My family was in Arizona before statehood. Um, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I like to hunt and fish. Um, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, and I'm really active in Arizona politics. Awesome. So so what got you interested in law? Uh, you know, my great-grandfather, who actually is second-generation Arizonan, he uh, – he used to be the magistrate for three very small towns in the West Valley before the West Valley of Arizona was really uh, urbanized. And listening to stories from my grandfather and him and members of my family really sparked an interest in law. And I've always liked politics. So uh, law and politics, you know, coincide next to each other. So that really sparked an interest for me. Yeah, I, I used to want to be a lawyer, too, but it was mainly because um, I would watch Boston Legal and I thought uh-huh. you could actually act that way in the courtroom, which I was, I was pretty excited about. But right. um, turns out you can't. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of a coincidence that you're on this week. We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of legal things that happened this past week. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court decided that that they were just going to surprise all of us and kind of stray away from their typical conservative record. Uh, so I want to talk about the first thing that happened last Thursday after my interview went up with Bethany. We didn't get a chance to talk about this is uh, there was a ruling on Obamacare and mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of it. I-, I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on do you think the court acted appropriately with Obamacare? Um, just what what are your thoughts on on their ruling there? Well, I really liked what Justice Scalia had to say and not because simply be I tend to be more agreeable to what he has to say on but he really hit the nail on the head with this he and three other justices have a 21 page rebuttal which just tore into obamacare i mean literally ripped it to shreds and he called it i believe pure applesauce and i thought that was kind of funny um but it attacks the ruling that the the dissenters were saying that it attacks the logic behind Obamacare and we've seen within the last what Obamacare was ruled in 2011 so 2015 we've seen within the last four years of how much of a train wreck it is and how much uh, legally it's going to be just tied up and keep on continuing being tied up and the recent ruling on the subsidies again shows that one more time and it's kind of a uh, 
and more of a prophetic uh, ruling of what's going to be happening in the future. Now, one of the things that Scalia talks about is, is in the law, it very clearly states that these subsidies can only be given through exchanges established by the state. And one mm -hmm. of his criticisms was that what the majority opinion essentially did was completely rewrite that part of the law. And that, that didn't right. only appear once in the law, it appeared multiple right. times, I think seven times. So, you know, this when I when I read parts of the majority opinion, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but mm -hmm. it really didn't make sense to me uh, what they claim to be the constitutional basis for right. their uh, for for their their opinion. What did you think right. about that? Uh, you bring up a great point, Stephen, and it's something I've been thinking about. And actually, since I've been uh, entered college and was studying some of these uh, cases when I was uh, Supreme Court rulings, uh, Justice Scalia and Clarence Thomas uh, tend to be, uh, you know, the media will paint them as left or right wing uh, extremists, but no, they're constitutionalists. So especially Justice Scalia on things like this, he will go back into what the Constitution, how it was written in the 18th century, in the 1780s. And what he does is he he dis uh, dissects what the words mean. And that's why it's being tied up into the states, is he's trying to decide how much of what the law is being written, how much, what it means, uh, the definition of the words being changed and being over uh, over time just being rewritten and rewritten. That's what's conflicting in this, con or what's making a conflict. And... Um, I like how he said the words no longer have meaning, and what Justice Scalia and especially Clarence Thomas, they're both textualists or what some would call originalists, so they read the law as it is, and Obamacare gets tied up as what the law, you know, how it is written, and a lot of people differ on that, just as uh, many conservatives and liberals disagree on the Constitution, whether it be a living document or a translated document. And the same thing that applies to Obamacare, just being rewritten and over time and over time, uh, there's no grounds or no strong basis to keep it as a law. Right. And I think when it comes to law, law is something that is so important that you can't just liberally um, interpret laws because that leads to all sorts of, of cases where um, you just have sort of a uh, a, a runaway society after mm -hmm. a while. And especially with this ruling, what I thought was interesting, as Scalia said, that words don't really matter anymore. And you're right. I, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with Scalia, and he, he says that he, it, it's not that he may be personally opposed to something, but for him it's about what did the Constitution mean and, um, and, and how should it be applied today. And he believes it should be applied today the same way that it exactly. would have been implied back then. So moving to the next decision that they had, I believe this was also on Thursday, they ruled that the uh, there, there's in Texas there was a uh, an application to create a Confederate flag license plate for, um, I believe it was uh, ancestors of, of Civil War veterans. And the Supreme Court said it was okay for Texas to reject the Confederate flag plates. What do you think about that ruling and, and the precedent that it sets? You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up as well, Stephen, because I wasn't even really aware of this ruling. Um, but after looking more into it and uh, studying some of the previous cases, the Supreme Court, you know, they uh, the majority had ruled that the, the designs are government and not private speech. And many people uh, agree with that. And then there's many people who don't agree with that. And I can give you an example. In the state of Arizona, uh, the, Ari the National FFA organization, specifically the Arizona Association, Within the national organization, we have a license plate here that you can buy from the DMV 
and a portion of that money goes back into a career in technical education. Now, with the sons, I think that they're called the Sons of Confederacy or the Confederacy. I think that's what they're called. Um, and I wasn't, I couldn't find out any information if that goes back into uh, their organization. And um, but another great point about what the justices had to say about this is that. We, our government, you, we do not have an established religion. We do not have an established uh, political party. We have the Democrats, Republicans, that sort of thing. And uh, what the court was saying was, is that you can't uh, pr- publicly advertise or give a certain speech in the public sector for cer- for a certain thing, such as a government issued license plate. And I don't really agree with that, uh, especially Justice Scalia and even John Roberts, who's been controversial, had said that. Free speech also does apply in the public sector. Now you can look at things in the private sector where if you are working for a company, they can say they can fire you simply off what you post on social media or on Facebook, and a lot of people are trying to say the same thing with the government. Well, no, this is the public sector. The private sector is much different, and uh, I think that's what a lot of people are conflicting about this whole which is public, which is private, and I think this falls perfectly into that situation. Right. And, and then uh, Justice Alito's dissent, which I think was a really great dissent, he talked about what a license plate really means. And the argument was that a license plate is essentially a statement by the state of uh, the state's beliefs. But he said, no, listen, there's license plate all the time that are released mm-hmm. in states. There are university right. license plate. There are the Masons, the Daughters of the American Revolution. There's NASCAR license plates. No one in their right mind would think that because there's a NASCAR license plate that the state is then sponsoring NASCAR and that's the message that they are sponsoring. He said, likewise, uh, you know, if if there was an electronic billboard that uh, had messages that could be exchanged mm-hmm. out, if the state put up a message and then you know, it went away and the next message that came up was something, uh, you know, uh, advocating for a political party or a, or right. a certain issue. No right. one would think that just because the state had an advertisement on there before that that next message is now a mm-hmm. state sponsored message. So I think the president it sets it sets is, is a little dangerous. But one thing that was interesting is that read an article on Life News. Uh, Supreme Court decision supports choose life license plates in North Carolina. And this is obviously another side. A lot of people right. make, make a big deal about the Confederate flag. But w- when it comes to the choose life license plates, what do you think about the court's decision as it relates to other type of novelty license plates? Right. Well, we also uh, I, I, all over the country, we see veterans license plate all the time. Right. We see combat wounded one, purple heart ones, and they get certain, uh, I should say, discounts on uh, registering their vehicles. And when you look at uh, the choose life plates, it's it's the same situation. With, I think with the Confederate fl- uh, the sons of the Confederacy, uh, the American people. Uh, last time I checked, the First Amendment applies to all sections of the United States, and. Um, I think that, you know they want to use it as a double standard. Say, well, if you can't keep the Confederate ones, and some people aren't going to be able to keep the Choose Life license plates. And you know, being uh, a conservative with libertarian uh, leanings, I think anybody should be able to put anything they want on the license plate. I'm not going to get offended by it. It's your First Amendment right, and um, 
I, I, people are overgeneralizing the situations in here, trying to make it, in, you know, as we've seen with the Confederate flag within the last couple of weeks, uh, they're, they're, they're picking at anything that they, they don't seem necessary. They don't seem fit perfect to what their image of what free speech should be. I, I think you hit the nail around the head when you said that just because someone has a license plate, it's not going to offend you. It seems to me that the Supreme Court, that people are now turning to the Supreme Court as an entity to protect ourselves from from things that we don't agree with mm-hmm. when the Supreme Court should not be an opinion poll. It should not be a politicized branch of the government. It should be about protecting the Constitution from people who want to do it harm. But right. certainly that doesn't seem to be what they want to do anymore. Absolutely. And you've you've seen uh, in the last couple of weeks when uh, with the Muhammad drawing contest uh, of during uh, free speech, Every American has the right to free speech, but free speech is the First Amendment protects your free speech that others don't agree with. That's the right. whole point of it. You know, everybody's going to disagree on something. So just because Stephen and I, you and I disagree on something, that doesn't mean that I don't get to say it to you or you don't get to say it to me. That's the whole point of the First Amendment. And the same thing can apply to the license plate. Just because you're driving down the road and someone has a choose life license plate and you're pro-choice, that does not mean that you get to go into uh, the state legislature, or excuse me, not uh, the courthouse, and demand that they take it out. It has to be done through le- a legislative process, just as the Constitution says. And I hate to complain, but doesn't it just seem like the culture now is you have you can say anything you want, but the second that it offends me, you no longer have the right to say that. You no longer exactly. have a right to your job. You no longer have a right to to any business deals that you have with any businesses we're now going to boycott businesses who do uh, business with people who we don't agree with i mean it's become so out of control and a lot of people I, I think are starting to realize that it's just crazy and they don't they don't know how we're supposed to fix that and honestly mm-hmm. i don't know how we're supposed to fix it either i don't know how we're supposed to fix the 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 getting offended over things that may be politically incorrect but by god they're just opinions Right, right. I mean, uh, I'm not a big uh, animated cartoon guy or TV shows, but things like Family Guy, they made, uh, if you, I've seen a couple of their clips, they made fun of George W. Bush all the time. They made fun of Christians and Jesus all the time and, and many other things. I'm not just saying uh, of those ones, but they make fun of people all the time. And even though Seth MacFarlane, I, I think that's the guy who writes Family Guy, that's correct? It, yeah. Yeah. He is uh, very liberal. And he he makes fun of everybody who gets on his side. The same with Saturday Night Live. They make fun of Republicans all the time. But if somebody from the right were to do that, they get very offended. And I say that it's the left who's getting offended about it. And I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And I, I and I don't want to sound like, well, just because you're leaning more to the right, you say that. Like, no, it's just observation. A lot of people who get offended by these things tend to be more liberal. And I that's the that's the good, honest truth that I think. Right. So let's move into, obviously, the biggest decision from the Supreme Court last week, and one that um, that, that really had me feeling conflicted, uh, and that is their ruling on same-sex marriage. Now, of course, um, they cited the 14th Amendment in the majority decision. The dissent was extremely negative. All the, all the dissenting justices wrote their own dissent. Just give me your overview of of what Friday was like um, from someone who's going into law. Um, going into an, a law standpoint, uh, I was 
I was kind of in a, a shock state because I knew that this could happen either way. And then also through my faith, I was kind of heartbroken, but I kind of blocked that out because I wanted to look at from a law standpoint, from a textual standpoint. And you can look into somebody like Justice Scalia and Clarence Thomas, who are very big states' rights advocates through the Constitution. And you can see that in their dissents, that they said that this is up to the states, not the Supreme Court, not the federal government, not a large centralized government. But from a legal standpoint, uh, I believe that it was wrong for them to rule like this. I have I have nothing against uh, those who participate in same-sex marriage or anybody who claims to be gay. But I do have a problem with someone who is 5,000 miles away from me sitting on a bench at the Supreme Court telling me what I can and can't do in my state. And they cannot bring up the supremacy clause of this because this is not the same situation. They tried to use the supremacy clause with uh, Roe v. Wade, and it don't, didn't work as well. So uh, I'm still kind of in a shock state, even to be honest with you. But do they not have a point in their interpretation of the 14th Amendment? Do they not have a point that a license that is recognized in one state should be recognized in another? No, I, I think you're, you're right. You're right. They should have, uh, you know, it should apply to the other 50 states. Um, but like I said before, it has to go... I think it should go through a legislative process if it's not if it's conflicting with the constitution just as you said earlier that the supreme court is not an opinion poll they are uh strictly interpretation of what the law means and um like i said i'm, I'm still shocked about it because i try to look at it from i knew both ways are either going to happen that the 14th amendment applies to all 50 states every part of the united states it applies to it so that's the part of the ruling that i can agree with the other part that I can't agree with is that I am a states' rights advocate. So uh, I think over time, just as many other things that we've seen in our rulings, society and uh, the American people will just tend to go on and say, it's the law of the land now. Right. Well, well that, that seems to be the excuse that even the GOP is pulling out now. Well, it's, a, it's the law of the land. We can't really do anything about it. It's kind of like Obamacare. Well, we can't do too much about it because it's right. the law of the land now. But right. So, I mean, getting back to... You know, I was conflicted on Friday because on one hand, I think that, uh, you know, you should have the right to, to marry who you want to marry. And, and mm -hmm. I, I do think that it should be done through the states. And, and up until this point, I think it was what, 34 states had already legalized right. it. So it's not like they mm -hmm. were that far away. It could have been mm -hmm. done. What I see as the big problem, and we just had a piece from uh, from Caleb Franz up on Outset about it, is gay rights advocates and religious liberty advocates are fighting the same fight. And the fight is to get government out of it. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think, I, I, I think that what gay rights advocates don't understand about Friday's ruling is that it, it set a dangerous precedent because it put the government in their bedroom. It and did. the whole time they've been talking about, we want the government out of our lives. And yet they so freely celebrated Friday's decision even though it, it meant even more government intrusion into their life. Right, right. What I really like, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, is uh, Alabama just became the latest state to do away with any type of marriage licensing, essentially getting the government completely out of the marriage business. What do you think about that? I really like that. I really like what Alabama just did. Um, from... From also going to Grand Canyon University, you do take some uh, theo theology classes and uh, some Bible-based classes. And what I did learn 
as for many, many, many years in the United States, Christians and anybody who I shouldn't say uh, just Christians just wrote their names together on a piece of paper and kept it. And then that was their marriage. They yeah. got married in front of people. And then that was it. It didn't have to go through the court. It didn't have to go through any type of process. It was those two people are married and that's how it's going to be. Nobody in the government had no say in it whatsoever. And I think that is the perfect precedence that Alabama has set. Absolutely. And so one of the other things that uh, that people have been talking about from the Supreme Court, and this is highly theoretical and it's probably not going to be carried out, but the argument that now that the idea that a license from one state cannot be rejected by another, people are now uh, applying this to gun rights and uh, mm -hmm. specifically concealed carry. And I sent you that article on BearingArms.com talking about what this could mean um, for all the states that do not allow you to conceal a weapon or have a concealed uh, weapons permit. Now, mm -hmm. as someone, I know you're just pre-law, but as someone who, who probably has more legal knowledge than me, <laughs> after reading that article, tell us, Austin, is there hope? I think there's hope. Is there? I, do, I think there's hope. I, do, I honestly do. Um, maybe from a, I, sh I should say, uh, I'm going to say this from a legal standpoint. I won't say this from an, an avid uh, gun rights sure. activist and, and, and NRA member, but uh, legally, I think this is the way that it's going to happen. I think someday we will see that someone uh, on the bench say that it is legal to carry your firearm in any of the 50 states, regardless of what the state legislature says. Now, again, I, I would love <laughs> for the states to decide this. Yes, yeah, so what I'm I. saying is if the Supreme Court wants to. Hey, I'm not going to stop them. I won't stop well, them. <laughs> we can't stop them. I think that's the important thing. Yeah. We can't stop them. So we might as well do it. But yeah, so I, I encourage someone to, to sue somebody right. about it and get it all the way up there. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I guess what I've been trying to figure out this past week, I've been writing the, the next cover story for Outset for, uh, for July, which will be up next week. And... I started off this cover story. I was writing it uh, on Saturday, so this was just the day after the Supreme, the, all these Supreme Court decisions. Yeah, three yeah, in a row. Three in a row, and then we had even more uh, on on Monday and Tuesday. Um, the feeling that I have now is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do, because as someone who advocates for smaller government, as someone mm -hmm. who advocates for federalism and the checks and balances and, and, and everything that our constitution calls for, I don't know what the next step is. I mean, when you have the legislature or the judicial branch now acting as the legislative branch, mm -hmm. I really don't know where to go from here. And, um, you know, I've been talking with people about it and, and I've been, I've been pretty negative about it, but I, I can't really help but feel any other way. How are you feeling about the message of limited government now that you know it seems like it seems like the the supreme court has just changed so many things in this country right um i liked what uh ted cruz had to say uh the other day i believe he was on hannity and said this was some of the, the darkest 48 hours in american history uh regarding the supreme court and he had talked about they had put on Instead of being an umpire and calling balls and strikes, they had put on a bright blue jersey and joined the Obama team. And I kind of laughed at that, but then I said, then, you know, he really has a point. Um, the founders specifically had said that 
any branch more too powerful than the other will become abusive. <clears throat> and it's not just that uh, we see it now. We, it happens over time. And when people aren't aware of that, who are uh, not aware that a limited government is the best type of government for a democratic republic, such as the United States, um, I, I, I do get worried. But on the other hand, we've seen through the Obama administration, there are a lot of people that are turning to specifically limited government. They don't want the government in any part of their life. And um, I think within the next, uh, through the primary and through the general election, that's going to be a key topic. Who wants more freedom with limited government and who wants more government? I think that's what's going to be uh, the turning point to see where America stands. I agree. And I think going into 2016 is such a big deal. The, the next president has the potential to nominate up to four Supreme Court justices, yes. um, which is which could certainly uh, I mean, you think the Roberts court uh, is supposed to be conservative. The, uh -huh. the next court under the next president, it, it could have a complete change. Um, so I'm very interested to see what happens in 2016. But we are here this week with Austin Smith, a legal scholar, college <laughs> student, rancher or farmer. I, I mean, which would you prefer? Um, uh, we'll just go with farmer. Let's we'll go, go with, with farmer. farmer. Fine, because apparently there's all these definitions I don't know about. <laughs> we will be right back after a brief word from our sponsor. Hey, guys, you have heard me time and time again, week after week, praise Octopods. And that is because I truly believe that they are one of the best products to keep you connected. Octopod has a line of portable charging solutions that will make sure your phone or tablet never die again. And they have this cool three-way connector. So no matter if you have the old iPhone, the new iPhone, or an Android, you're covered. And for you, the listeners of this week's program, they want to give you a 50% off offer, but it is limited time. But here's the thing. You deserve 50% off because you've been a loyal listener of this show. Just go to octodashpod.com slash outset and use the promo code OUTSET, that's O-U-T-S-E-T, -E at checkout, and you'll get 50% off your order. That's right, just go to octo-pod.com slash OUTSET and use the promo code OUTSET at checkout. Have I said OUTSET enough? But I'm saying it because it'll get you 50% off, and it means your phone and tablet will never, mark my words, never die again. Now, back to the interview. All right, we are back with Austin Smith. Austin, um, I have some uh, stupid questions for you. I'm not sure if you've heard the past week's shows, but... I am. I'm an avid listener, Stephen. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Are you a subscriber on iTunes by chance? No, I'm not. I'm not a big iTunes guy. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> but Taylor I do Swift. listen every week. Every week. Every week I'm listening. Every week without fail. Yes, I do. I somehow find a way to get a, get a hold of it. You know what? I'll I'll take your word for it. But I, I want to start up before we get into some of the too stupid of questions. I want to start up with some serious ones. And the first one is: What do you think is the biggest issue facing the country today? And I'm gonna do a second part of this. How do you think we go about fixing it? I believe that the biggest issue facing the United States today is our I, I want to put this in as uh, simple as I can. Our, our, our mortality, our morals. What do we believe and what do we stand for? And I think that that's come under uh, a lot of persecution in the last, uh, I should say, uh, last 15 to 20 years. We've seen uh, American exceptionalism or patriotism kind of uh, fall off the deep end for a while. And why, I know why do you that, think that is? Uh, 
specifically because um, we've seen more of the uh, progressive movement get into the school system. And uh, and you can look at um, members of the greatest generation. There's not too many left. There's only so many World War II veterans left. And then their, their children, which would be uh, our grandparents, they uh, – they're coming to an end too. And they were brought up with, they, you know, they grew up doing world war two and Korea and Vietnam, and they grew up with American exceptionalism, the, why they were proud to be an Americans. They knew what made America different than any other place. And be, and that being said, we've seen recently uh, people, sh uh, shaming America, trying to put it on, take it off of its, uh, shining pedestal and put it down below anybody else that it's the nastiest place in the world. And I think that when you do that, you crush, the uh, the spirit of people who are I should say the spirit of Americans and when you do that you start dividing us and when you divide us we have nothing to do with each other and America didn't become the greatest country on the face of the planet because uh, we disagreed we became the greatest because we could agree that we would disagree if that would make any sense right no no that makes sense I think compromise is what we were founded upon and now it seems like every side will not budge on anything and we hate each mm -hmm. other and there's this big uh, maybe not a, a violent civil war, but there's kind of like a cold civil war right, type of thing, right. whatever you want to call it. All right. What, what do you think going into 2016, who's your guy or woman? Who's your favorite candidate? Well, you know, uh, I'm always going back and forth. Uh, right now, my top two are Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. Okay. I, I, Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. You know, before anybody had announced I thought it was just going to be Scott Walker. I said, Scott Walker all the way. I love what he did in Wisconsin. Right. You know, he, he went through the graveyard many times and came out on top. And I think that's exactly what uh, we need in the White House. But until he announces, I really like what Rand Paul has to say on limited government, and so does Ted Cruz. Ever since they came with the Tea Party wave, I've always liked them and followed them with their stance on the Patriot Act, on a flat tax, on uh, Ted Cruz wanting to – abolish the IRS and Rand Paul wanting to abolish the UN. That's and I can't get enough of that. I think they both would be phenomenal presidents. Yeah. Cruz and Paul are very similar I, from an ideological standpoint, probably 98%, 99% yeah. of the time they're agreeing with each other. But I think you've overlooked someone and it's kind of hard to overlook them. Uh, but they just heard the race this week. Chris Christie. Are you mm -hmm. not a fan of his? You know, he, because I he's think he's great. You know, he's hilarious. He I, I love he, – he has a very uh, strong things to say. He's, but sometimes I, I just don't agree with him. I, I just can't get behind a Christie presidency right now. Okay. I'm sure, you know, through through the debates – you know, like I said, I haven't picked a candidate yet. I'm going to have to right. wait for some debates. You know, who, who knows? I may be Ted Cruz and Rand Paul now, and I may switch over to – uh, Carly Fiorina. Oh. oh, you know, <laughs> no Grams and no Bushes. I can tell you that right now. Okay, fair enough. But uh, um, I think it, we're just really going to need to see some. I'm going to need to see some some debate first. Not what you say, but what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Now this one's a little trickier. Obviously, you said you like Rand and and Teddy, but if you had to compose your dream 2016 ticket without any of the candidates um, who are either officially announced or you know very close to announcing. What would that dream ticket look like? Anybody involved in American politics today? Yeah, sure. Or, or not even involved in politics. Like mine would probably be Taylor Swift and, you know, 
geez, I mean, the, 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 the second option would be a little hard, but Taylor Swift would definitely be on there. Why do you say Taylor Swift? Be, because I, I just think that she gets stuff done. You know, people listen uh, to Taylor Swift and, uh, and, you know, she's not too bad to look at. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Clint Eastwood would be a great president. Oh, my goodness. I love Clint Eastwood. Could I think you imagine? Oh, uh, Clint Eastwood administration would get things done. <laughs> uh, Clint Eastwood and for president and i think his a great running mate would be chuck norris or vice versa that is just such an american ticket right there yeah i nobody's nobody's beating that nobody's beating that you can't beat that they'll beat you (laughs) physically exactly exactly so in terms of the fictional world who would be your your favorite fictional president Mm. in the fictional world uh i really like um, what's the? I can't think of the gentleman's name. He, um, oh, what show was he on? Ah, uh, it's on. Um, he comes on. Oh, Greg Gutfeld. <laughs> Greg Gutfeld. Yes. Did he? Did he play a? Uh, did he play a president? I think he did in one of his uh, clips that he had done. Ah. And I may. Be, I may be mistaken. I'm not sure. But. Uh, from an, from somebody else that I had heard, uh, have you ever watched the Adams, the HBO special? No, I haven't. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. He's an actor. He played in uh, Big Fat Liar. Oh, like I'm picturing him, but I don't see yeah, the name. Yeah, he has a bald hair, bald head. Uh-huh. Uh, can't think of his name. Um, but he played uh, John Adams in the HBO special Adams, and okay. a lot of Amer- and a lot of Americans don't know about. They know when they think of the first president, they think of John or George Washington, and they tend to forget John Adams because he they think he played think, they don't know that he played a very large role in shaping our country. Right. And uh, they that actor I can't think of the gentleman's name, but he does a phenomenal job of portraying John Adams and his opinions through his eyes, the shaping through the American Revolution, the Continental Congress, and writing of the United States Constitution. He did it very well. Well, I had to check that show out. I'd have to, you know, get it from maybe some questionable sites because I don't have HBO, but we won't talk about that too much. Now, (laughs) I I do want to bring your attention to something that came out today, and and I think this is really going to be the issue that divides uh, America and that is that the, the New York Times released a recipe for guacamole where they put English peas in the guacamole. President Obama has since come out against that idea, which I, I agree with him. But what do you think about, do, do peas belong in guacamole? Absolutely not. Thank Are you kidding? I come I come from Arizona. We <laughs> have, we, and you, I know you and I argue about this all the time about uh-huh. which who has the better mexican food arizona or texas yeah and you we both can agree on you do not put that in guacamole no no there's no I, place for it you know I, like i told people in texas i i'm not the biggest fan of the death penalty but in texas if you were to put peas in my guacamole i i'd probably want you put to death yeah I'm, if i want to have if i want to have a nice chimichanga and put sour cream and guacamole on it i don't want peas in my gua- in my guacamole it's just disgusting. that's not right <laughs> it's just disgusting all right well my next question we actually already got to would taylor swift make a good president i said she would i mean do you agree uh, okay there's hesitation I mean, you know you know she she always you know it's always somebody else's fault it's never her fault so I feel like well, to, her to be so, fair, 
to be fair, you know, it's every time it's always some guy's fault. True. How do we know it's not her fault? That's we're true. not getting, we're not getting, so, so I don't so want so something saying, to happen. And she's like, you know, it's the Congress's fault. <laughs> no, it's your So, So you're saying if there was a Taylor Swift presidency, um, there would not be any accountability? No. Not at all? You still there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, well. You know Taylor Swift's issue with Apple over Apple Music? Yeah, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with that, yes. So because she was successful in getting Apple to reverse her policy, what is the next issue that you would like to see her work on? <laughs> you know, I thought this was about American politics. It is about American Not politics. <laughs> it's 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 about Taylor Swift is is an effective bringer of change. What do you want to see changed? You know, Taylor has a Taylor has a, a really large war chest. She can get a lot done, so I'll give her that. Um, but I think Taylor Swift, uh, when she first started in country music, she you know she set off as a young girl who just had a dream and and she accomplished it. So innocent. Uh, yeah. So I think that she can uh, go into maybe Microsoft or many of these other ones and start getting deals like that, what she did with Apple. Very I think nice. she has the power to do something like that. I think she has the power to do anything, Austin. <laughs> now, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. If you, if you want to get back into American politics, we can do that. Okay. Do you think if Taylor Swift were to resign, do you think Hillary Clinton could be a good pop star? You no, know, she's very – she already has her fame from just her last name. So – I wouldn't be surprised if she would be a great pop star if she would just rise to fame and again. Because, you know, there are some people who don't know who Hillary Clinton is, surprisingly. They, imagine that. Lucky so them. She, yeah, lucky them. Uh, that she would be even more popular than she already is if she replaced Taylor Swift. But, I have no doubt about it. But in terms of dancing, do you think she can drop it low? No. No? No, you, my goodness. You probably wouldn't want to she'd see probably, that anyways. She'll probably end up hurting herself, you know, breaking a hip or something. Right. You know? Do you think that the Clintons' marriage is uh, as creepy as I think it is? Absolutely. Isn't it Ab just? Isn't it just odd? There, there seems have to be ever, no real connection there. Yeah. Have you ever watched them in public when they, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, you'll see clips on news of them at the Clinton Foundation or whatever. It's like an a really awkward hug or an awkward kiss. Like you know, that's, that's so weird. something's up. It's something's something's up. Yeah. Again, I, again, I should say. I mean, I, I hate to judge someone's marriage, but I think it's right. a marriage of convenience, and and that's. Right. That's sad because, you know, they, they both deserve to be happy. Right. So here's the thing. I, I've been thinking of ways that we could repurpose Hillary Clinton's old pantsuits. Um, <laughs> last week, I think I asked uh, I asked Bethany if, if, if we should turn them into parachutes in order to save the, the military money. Um, I can't. The, the first week I asked if we should repurpose that or if we should donate them to African women who are looking for jobs. But the one I thought of this week, and I want to see if you agree, do you think Hillary Clinton's old pantsuits should be repurposed as fly nets in order to help the children in Africa that face the risk of malaria? Oh, I bet you we, I bet you they could do that. Wouldn't that I be bet great? You, I think that would be great. She, um, she would finally put a positive contribution out into the world. Yeah, it's just something that's actually called an achievement. Right. Giving, out, giving away her pantsuit. I shouldn't even see. She would probably end up selling them. She wouldn't really give them away because you True. know how sometimes those she wants to get the the profit, right? You know how you know. And as a capitalist, I can understand that you know making a profit, but knowing Hillary Clinton, she's doing it for the wrong reason. Absolutely, yeah. Now you know the show Survivor. It's been on for ever since I was probably born. 
What yes, sir. It's been a- what politician would you like to see go on Survivor? Oh, Rick Perry. Rick Perry. You th- Rick, you know, Rick, I think Rick Perry. Scout. Yeah, I think Rick Perry would just kill it on there. Okay, so so most people would interpret that question as what politician do I want to see suffer, and for <laughs> you, it was what politician do you think would be best and like actually survive. So yeah. I commend you for being positive on that one. Yeah. Now talking about Rick Perry and the Boy Scouts, what do you think Chris Christie's favorite Girl Scout cookie is? Oh, I think there's... he's a thin. I think he's a thin mint guy. You think he's a thin mint guy, huh? Yeah, I mean, you can put away two boxes of thin mints. Anybody could, yeah. and I think that's what Chris Christie likes the most. I'm more of a caramel delight person, and and mm-hmm. I have I have put away a box uh, rather quickly. I don't I don't really want to talk about it because <laughs> this isn't really a therapy session, but. Um, I agree. I think he's kind of a thin mint guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually was a Girl Scout back in the day. So do you think Lindsey Graham, this is just a weird theory I have. Do you think Lindsey Graham is really just an alien trap in a flamboyant Southern man's body? Oh, he he is something else, isn't he? He really is. I I mean, mean, it's just, I don't get him. Uh, you know, being from Arizona, uh, we have John McCain here, and we know how John McCain. Yeah, and we know how John McCain works. And Lindsey Graham is one of his, I should say, wingmen. Uh-huh. And I kind of find the consent. That's where I get my uh, descent from Lindsey Graham because you know he's really buddy buddy with John McCain. And Lindsey Graham, every time he gets on there and tries to speak, it, it, it's just really, it's really awkward. Yes. It's the best way to put it. It's very awkward. I, I, yeah. I don't get into what he has. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but I cannot get into anything he has to say. I never uh, have. I, I mean, hell, I would love to, you know, eat some grits and, and, and crawfish with him, but I just don't think that he's the best politician. What is it that John McCain calls him, his illegitimate son? Yeah, it, it has to do, I think it's illegitimate son, or uh, I think at one time he had said his long-lost brother, they were separated at birth. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, that's all I need to know then. Yeah, that's a little too much for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think, talking about Rick Perry earlier, do you like his new glasses? You know, I think he's going to get the hipster vote. You think so? I think he'll get the hipster vote. Very nice. I so, think that's what he's doing. <laughs> so here's a question about the GOP debates. I've asked in the past if, if Jeb should be required to wear a sombrero. Uh, Avery said that all the candidates should be required to wear a sombrero. I've asked about Rick Sintorm's sweater vest, and, and Bethany said all the candidates should wear a sweater vest. Do you think all the candidates should wear Rick Perry uh, hipster glasses during the debates? I think it would be uh, – I mean, it would set the playing field really level. That's true. The hipsters, That's the hipsters would – no, they were just like, you know, who who's the best hipster? The Which G- one do I – <laughs> The GOP is the party of hipsters. That's right. <laughs> I like it. We were opposing Obamacare before Obamacare well, was cool. That's right. <laughs> That's lovely. Uh, have you seen Michelle Obama's workout video? No, I haven't. You I've haven't? Seen, I've, seen, I've seen President Obama's, but okay. I haven't seen Michelle Obama's. Did President Obama's workout video inspire you to become a, a healthier American? Hmm. You know, I live in Arizona. We have Mexican food 24-7, so I don't think he, so uh, he, 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 he really didn't do anything. <laughs> I just laughed. Uh, well, I mean, again, the good news is that at least he agrees that peas do not belong in guacamole. Uh, have you ever been personally victimized by Donald Trump? When The Apprentice first started a long time ago, my parents used to watch it, and I'd watch it with them sometimes. And whenever he would say, you're fired, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I would want to say it to people. And then they would play that song by the OJs, 
money, 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 money. <laughs> we don't have the so rights. Every, we don't have the rights. Right. So, so every time he comes on and speaks, I think of that as his introduction theme song. So I know I don't get I don't get victimized. I don't feel victimized by him at all. I just laugh every time he comes on. You know, I I, I have a really mixed bag of emotions about Donald Trump. I love his show. I love The Apprentice. I love how he's so open about his opinions. He really doesn't care whether someone agrees or not. Um, his hair creeps me out. His face creeps me out. His clothing line at Macy's is a little too much. And uh, I'm just not sure, you know, what would I rather see? Trump in the White House or another season of Celebrity Apprentice? And I think I'd rather see another season of Celebrity Apprentice. Agreed, agreed. Uh, you know, he, he has a phenomenal, I mean, who doesn't, who can who can who wants to disagree that Donald Trump is not one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the history of the world? No, that's true. But but he I, he's just not presidential material. I I think he would be a great economic advisor to the next president. Sure. So I mean that's something to look forward to. Yeah, and one of the things that people said is that if Donald Trump became president, Gary Busey would probably either be vice president or secretary of state, and that oh. could be a disaster. Yeah, you, could you imagine a Gary Busey flying over to uh, Iran to do the oh nuclear talks? Oh, Lord, he would try to do impersonations. <laughs> it, would, it would be terrible. It'd be exactly. funny, but it'd be terrible. Right. We'd laugh because we know we were in trouble. Right. <laughs> it'd be the <laughs> most nervous laughter you've ever heard. Yeah. All right. Before we get into a game of political would you rather, I want to ask you, have you ever uh, been uh, messing with tape and, and you're trying to find the end of the, the roll of tape? Absolutely. Do you think the government should do more to help people who struggle with that? You know, the government should do as much as it can for people. You know, I read a poll that it said one in four Americans struggle with tape every day. What that, are we doing? Right? Well, I mean, I guess we're, you know, we're just sitting idly by and, and worrying about ISIS over here when there is millions of Americans who can't find the end of the tape. These are the real issues. Think of, how, the, much, <laughs> think of how much time is lost every day exactly. searching. Why are we putting so much? Yeah, why are we putting so much money into our military funding I, when we could be helping Americans with this? I mean, I agree. There needs to be more research. We, we need to get tape with an easier to find end. There's all sorts of things the government, all sorts of things that the government needs to do. All right, now let's go into a game of political would you rather. Now, last week Bethany said that these questions gave her some of the 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 creepiest, most uncomfortable mental images ever, and I want to see if we can do the same thing this week. So, bring it on. <laughs> the first one, and this one isn't really an uncomfortable image, but it is an uncomfortable thought. Would you rather have Hillary Clinton appointed to the Supreme Court or see Scalia and Roberts leave the court? Oh man! Ugh. Oh well, you, you you've made it very very creepy and putting an image in my head where I'm feel like I'm gonna throw up of like her in a black robe, her in a black robe sitting sure. there next to Ginsburg or Ale oh, yeah. uh, Justice Kagan. Yeah. Um, you know, I would right now. I think my best would be to put Hillary in the Supreme Court because if Scalia and Thomas left, then President Obama can appoint two more of whoever he wants, and then Hillary Clinton just sits right there into the White House, and she can appoint whoever she wants. That's true. It's very true. It's a, yeah, good. I mean, if we got a if we got a Republican president, we would be able to you know put more justices on the bench to overweigh Hillary. Right, and, and that that would certainly be a, a good thing, seeing how they would have you know upwards of four nominations to make in the next term. 
Now, this next question was submitted to me by Stephanie Conway. She really knows how to just be weird. And her question was, would you rather trim Bernie Sanders' nose hair or be an attractive female within five feet of Joe Biden? (laughs) Now, this one's tough. I mean, I I don't even know my answer to this. Oh, man. Uh, Man, you kind of... I, you know, I don't have an answer for that because, you know? <laughs> no, I do not have an answer for that one. That's just a little, that, who was, who wrote you that? Stephanie Conway. Stephanie Conway. Well, Stephanie, <laughs> you need to know that I am very creeped out by that and I do not have an answer <laughs> because I'm still thinking of which way to get out of something, a situation like, who would put, who would put themselves in a situation like that? Well, Stephanie thought that it was a very fun situation. Oh. And, uh, it, I mean, for me, I, I guess I'd rather trim the nose hair because it, Biden, like massaging you and t- it's just—it's too much. Speaking, yeah, talking into your, whispering into yes. your ear. Yeah, that's really creepy. It's creepy at all. You know, it's just—it's—it's it's too much. Would you rather? Uh, oh, that was weird. Would you rather soak in a hot tub with Nancy Pelosi or relax in a sauna with Chris Christie? Uh, oh, I'm gonna relax in a sauna with Chris Christie. Even though his I'm not shirt going- would be off. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> oh, uh, I will not be in a bathtub with Nancy Pelosi. I can no, not tell you a that. bathtub, a hot tub. It's a little a hot more... tub. Oh, either you know, it'd be the same bad. thing for me. It would be the same thing for me. No, I, you know, at I least think... the water would be hot enough to kill germs. That's right. That's right. But, you so, know, I'd, so you, I'd, you would I'd rather sweat with... it out with Chris Christie. I'd sweat it out with Chris Christie. See who's, you know, he's he's a pretty outspoken guy. He's he, you know he's pretty rugged. So I like to see who could sweat who could sweat it out the longest. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean that's not a that's not a pay per view event that I would be buying. But, uh, right, right. But have fun with it, I guess. Would you now? Did you hear uh, President Obama gave a speech at um, at the church in Charleston? Did mm-hmm. you hear him singing "Amazing Grace"? Yeah, I did. I would did. you rather listen to a Barack Obama gospel CD or Hillary Clinton's laugh and or I guess you could call it a cackle on loop? You know, I would use the Hillary cackle because oh. I would be able to save it, and then when Halloween came around, I can place it in a speaker somewhere around my yard and use that to scare off kids. I, I think that's the best way. Like you just you, <laughs> you buy candy, and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have the kids come by, and then you just put out the Hillary Clinton laughing, and at, by the end of the kids night, run like crazy. The, by the by the end of the night, the candy's all yours. You didn't have to exactly. give any of it away. Yeah, have to worry about nothing. That's actually really genius. That's really genius. I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to steal that idea, but yeah. you know, I'll certainly use it without credit. All right. Now, before we end the show this week, I want to do a little bit of word association. And the only bad thing about this is I have all the you know 52, it seems like, candidates on here. But, but we'll just go down the list. Give me the word or the, the short phrase that you first think of whenever I say these names. Are you ready? I'm ready. Jeb Bush. Ugh. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to um, uh, rerun. Rerun, yeah. Hillary Clinton. Old news. Bernie Sanders. Tyranny. Rick Santorum. Catholicism. Okay. Chris Christie. Outspoken. Ben Carson. Wise. Donald Trump. Uh, intelligent. Rick Perry. Tough. Okay. Rand Paul. 
witty. Yeah, absolutely. Ted Cruz. Encouraging. Encouraging. Bobby Jindal. Satisfactory. Okay. Lindsey Graham. Um, annoying. Yes. And finally, <laughs> finally, my favorite, my favorite person in the world, Mike Huckabee. Um, I would, I'm, I would say very strong. He's strong in what he believes in. Yeah. So I'm gonna say uh, very grounded. Yeah, he's principal. He's grounded. Um, I just think that a president playing a guitar. I don't know. The last the last person we had that played a, a musical instrument was Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not saying anything, but I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, so. I could be I could be down for Huckabee on the inauguration day playing on his bass. True. Yeah, I could be okay with that. Now, if just one last question because this is actually pretty important. If you were to be inaugurated, what uh, what performers would you have at your inauguration? Okay, I'm gonna go with. I feel like I already know the answers, but go I'm gonna ahead. go. I'm gonna go with how many? Do I just need four? Uh, yeah, many? sure. Sure. Okay, uh, I'll go with Alan Jackson. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Alan Jackson. Um, I like uh, Brad Paisley. He's a good entertainer. Yeah. I'd like to see him there. Um, Alabama, the older country music singing group. Okay. And um, Craig Morgan. I think those all would be great entertainers. Now, who's Craig Morgan? Craig Morgan, he's a country music singer. Is he? He I sings, heard of him. He sings, uh, have you ever heard the song Redneck Yacht Club? I have not heard of that. No. Okay. It sounds incredible, though. Look up uh, some Craig Morgan, and, and you won't be disappointed. I will. And, and if I am disappointed, then you'll be the first to know. All right. Well, there you go. Austin, where can people find you online? I mean, not like your home address, but where can people find you on social media? You know, they can just ask the, uh, the federal government. They know exactly where I live. Well, yes, but, 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 but <laughs> suppose that we didn't want to talk to the federal government. Oh, okay. Um, you can find me on Twitter at AZAustin43. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is AZAustin underscore Smith. And on Facebook, Austin Smith. All right. Austin Smith, thank you so much for joining me this week. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the program. And thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Yes, sir, Stephen. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Thank you to Austin again for being my guest this week. To listen to future episodes, make sure you take a second to subscribe to this show on iTunes. It is the easiest thing you will do today. And while you're there, subscribe to Second Look with Benjamin Green, which is returning next week, guys. And, of course, the Matt Dallas Show that is now on Saturdays. So something to look forward to on the weekends. And also make sure to follow Outset on Twitter at Outset Magazine and on Facebook.com slash Outset Network. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you back here next week.